0: Hey everybody, welcome to the first official episode of Becoming Sproutable, a limited podcast series that takes you through the biggest tools and concepts of parenting with positive discipline. I'm Casey O'Rorty, positive discipline lead trainer, parent coach, adolescent lead at besproutable.com, host of the Joyful Courage podcast, and mom of two teenagers. And for this series, again, so excited to be joined by my friend, and co-host Julietta Skoog, also a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, early years lead at besproudable.com, and mama to three children, a little, a middle, and a tween. Hi, Jules. Welcome back. Oh my gosh, here we are. Hi, Kate. I'm so excited about today's episode.
1: We're doing it. We're doing it. Doing We're it. here. Oh my goodness. Our first in the limited series. Hi, listeners. So before we get into it, Casey, do you have any good parenting stories to
0: share? Actually, I do, yeah. So funny story, I have been talking a lot and a lot of my clients right now we're talking a lot about the phone and phone limits. I think coming out of the pandemic, you know, everybody's boundaries got a little loose. And now we've got all these teenagers who are really pushing the envelope on using the phone. And back in December, I did a show that was totally dedicated to getting rid of the phone drama. And I was really proud of it. I thought it i thought it was really good. I thought I really brought, you know, the magic to that particular show. And literally the day after it came out, I realized I kind of just casually checked my son's screen time. And I realized that I hadn't set the 16-year-old's screen time up with a passcode and that he had been Snapchatting the night away for the last couple of nights. And yeah, all on me, you know, and, and for a second, I was like, why wouldn't he be like, mom, you forgot to set the code. For a second, I sat inside of that and, like, sat inside of this character. Right, 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 right. right. (laughs) I was like, what kind of character flaw is this? Right. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, exactly. No teenager's going to be like, oh, you forgot to do this thing. And so I let it go. I wanted to be mad for a second. And then I got to recognize that I hadn't followed through on my part. And so in the morning, we had a totally light, unemotional conversation about it and agreed, you know, I said, well, you know, this is kind of why that this is the point of the downtime so that you're not, you know, so that you're getting sleep and not texting your friends all night. And he actually, the nice thing about it was he was really like, yeah, yeah, for sure. That is why. Like he was in agreement and I'm grateful that it's not a big dramatic thing with him, but I had to laugh at myself. And then actually not too long after I realized again that the- Downtime wasn't on, and I thought, "Well, that's strange. What have I done wrong?" And I decided, you know what? I'm going to change the passcode because there is a possibility that my kiddo knows the passcode and is just pushing the envelope a little bit. So I changed up the passcode. We'll see what happens. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, I mean, keeping it real, keeping it real. And also, isn't it funny when you're like, "Oh, what would Casey do?" <laughs> like when you're you're the parent, and then you're like, "Wait a minute, what am I actually?" telling other parents and that i got to do that for myself too. But I think the light and unemotional conversation too is what allows Mm -hmm. you both to stay focused on your goal, which you both have that same goal of him, you know, having a strong brain and like doing the things that he wants to do in his life and be healthy because you've laid that foundation. So when there are these little blips you can always go back to yeah
0: that. for sure what but, about you what about you i want to hear a, a good story from you a good leona story uh, yeah like- well on the other
1: <laughs> on the other end since we have no phones in our house besides
0: john and I's, but we
1: i had a funny talking about like oh listening to yourself um last week my four-year-old came home and said first she led with where did you um and papa get married i thought it was the strangest thing and i said oh and in, in monterey and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, okay. Um, and then she said, I've got to tell my friend at school because that's so that we know that's where we're going to get married. And I said, okay, well, what? <laughs> and she said, oh, yeah, we're going to get married. So um, so then I had to remind that, well, in preschool, we just get to be friends with everyone. You don't have to decide that till much later in life if you even want to at all. And then it evolved to I've been kissing this friend. <sighs> In which case, John immediately said, what? You're you're kissing your friends? Uh Uh-uh, no, you can't do that. And then she switched her story, which I find fascinating, how early kids learn to lie, shift. Mm -hmm. They're so socially savvy. Just even in that moment, he wasn't angry, but even in that moment of realizing this is not a socially acceptable uh, behavior, I'm going to cover it up. And so she immediately said, oh, actually, no, we didn't. Mm. And so then later in the bathtub, I said, said, Hey, Leona, you can, it's okay. If you did let me know. And you, just me saying that she was like, okay, we did three
2: times.
0: <laughs>
1: three Meanwhile, times." Meanwhile, remember th- these kids are in masks. So she had to like pull it down <laughs>
2: to do the kissing.
1: So then, um, so I, and I, turns out her version is that this other friend is asking, which I said, this is great for consent. I said, good that you always want to be asked first. We talked about bodies and private bodies and, um, and then I had to watch one of our old, one of our videos, one of our Sproutle vid- videos to make sure that I was checking the boxes on what to do in this scenario. And Amy Lang, our good friend at Birds and Bees and Kids, did a great interview with us around like, what do we do when we find our kids playing doctor? So I thought that was a similar story. And so I went back to her and and ticked off those things of saying, you know, no shame, like really saying it can be fun, making sure it's, it is as part of a play. They're playing together. They know each other. They're the same age. Those are some of the red flags you want to have mm-hmm. when your kids come home and say, I've been kissing another person. So in the end, I just leaned back into the, into the rules and the why around we always keep our mask on. It's okay to ask for a hug, but we're not kissing to keep germs safe. And we're just friends. We don't have boyfriends in preschool. So <laughs> that was the latest. Oh, I think man. We Talk about like, I can't wait to see this one as an
0: adolescent because watch out. Yep, 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 yep. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. It's a whole different conversation about kissing. And Amy Lang is, has indeed shown up on the Joyful Courage podcast and in some of the summits to talk about the gro- the the growing sexual... You know, she talks about parenting through their sexual development, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole. We're not going to go down that one today. But thank you for sharing. Oh, my gosh. I I've, All three of your girls are just so dreamy. So I love hearing stories. What are we talking about today on our show?
1: What are we talking about today? We are talking about mutual respect. Mm-hmm. So I love, I think this is, I'm so happy this is our first episode because to me, all roads lead back to mutual respect mm-hmm. in relationships, you know, and, um, doesn't matter if it's teens or toddlers and even just thinking about our parenting relationships with our parenting partners whether they're they live with us or not it's really like powerful yeah. you know this whole concept shift right of mutual respect and even that i think people get fuzzy on like what does mutual respect even mean and so what do you when parents say that or when you're describing that to parents what do you how do you describe it
0: well typically for me it shows up with a comment around my teenager my adolescent isn't being respectful. I'm not, they're not respecting me, right? And that's kind of where, when I talk about mutual respect, I love it because it no longer is dependent necessarily on the other person. When I think about mutual respect, it's I'm gonna treat the person in front of me with dignity and respect. I'm also gonna treat myself with dignity and respect and the situation and, and anyone else involved. So, you know, it becomes a conversation around, Around personal boundaries, around how, you know, what we're willing to stand inside of, and also, you know, how we are articulating our needs, our boundaries, our experience to the person in front of us. Because if we're shouting and yelling and demanding, well, that's not treating the other person with dignity and respect. So, It's a shift. When I talk about it, I talk about the shift from, well, you respect me and I'll respect you. And now it's mutual respect. It's a, it just kind of is turned on its head. What about you?
1: Yeah. I think the misunderstanding I hear a lot from parents is that mutual respect means I'm just going to give you everything like that permissive piece. And so then I have to get, it has to, let go of what, of my needs as well. Like in order to be respectful, you know, of the child, it means be permissive is how it shows up.
0: Oh, isn't that so interesting? The two different ends,
1: right? That being respectful as a parent means being, means giving them what they want and not being uncomfortable. And I think the way that you were describing almost that, like I give you respect, you give me is how we describe power too. Mm. And in the earlier, years, these power struggles of no, I've got the power. Okay, now I'm, now you can do be at you know do whatever you want. Those extremes of versus that shared power, as our friend Aaron says, the distributive power, and that is the mutual respect. How can we be how, open up those floodgates? Open up that relationship to say I respect myself and the needs of the situation, mm-hmm. and I respect you. And I also think like in the early years, I mean, we're just in survival mode as parents. And so, so the concept of having respect for ourselves can also bleed into self-care and time and actually thinking for ourselves, which is hard to do when you're just, again, in that survival mode and just trying to get them to bed or get them fed or get them in the car seat or, you know, these little things, it's hard to say, who am I? We lose a little bit of Identity, not always, but it, there is a shift in identity development just coming into parenthood, just becoming a parent. And so also growing into who am I? What do I stand for? What
0: do I need right now? Yeah. Is a whole other level of, of cognition. It's so interesting when I think back to early years, especially my first baby. And, you know, she was in the sling all day long, nursed on demand, co-slept, nursed to sleep. And in being inside of that, I remember like, oh, I don't I don't have a needy child. I just, I'm okay with this, you know? And going to the pediatrician and being like, you know, it would be, it'd be nice if, if she'd take a pacifier, you know? And the pediatrician being like, well, she has one. And looking back, when I look back, like one, I'm grateful that I, you know, it, it wasn't, it didn't feel hard. Like I was just kind of like, okay, I can do this. I, I don't, I, I'm able to, to meet her needs the perceived needs this way, but looking back, yeah, I, I also didn't really feel like there, I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know how to be with laying her down and being okay with some fussy and some cry and like. I can just pick her up, you know? And so as I'm listening, do you talk about mutual respect? And and even in the earliest days, the earliest months, you know, trusting that um, there's this, also this level of trusting that our kids are gonna be okay in their discomfort. Like when I take care of me, when I respect me, they're gonna be okay.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think to me, the idea of what do I need, you know, how am I okay with this? What do I need in this moment? What are the needs of the situation as well? That then it really defines that concept of firmness. Mm -hmm. And I think what can happen is as parents, when you said like, you don't know what else to do because we are so afraid sometimes of being our parents and not wanting to parent in a way perhaps that was either more authoritarian or like so harsh. And so then we go the opposite direction and we and we end up in this purgatory yeah. a little bit. So yeah, I think I mean and for me the mutual respect of um of also thinking about like the modeling moment, mm-hmm. you know, that we have. Of if I'm standing up for myself and the needs of the situation, then I am showing them how to stand up for their selves and the needs of the situation.
0: Yeah, I think that's well. I think that's really big with parents of teenagers, actually, when we talk about mutual respect during adolescence, because I have people in my life who I'm in relationship with who are raising teens and, you know, they share with me some of the some of the treatment that they're getting from their teenagers. And, you know, when, it, you know, it's always nice to be the outside observer, right? You've got all the answers as the outside observer. Uh, but noticing too, and really inviting people to be in the question. So, how are you respecting yourselves? Because I think the way that we respect ourselves, our willingness to stand and take verbal abuse, our willingness to, you know, just like, what are we modeling about? what's okay, how to treat us. Like that's, there's something there as well around, you know, the respect we're on some level. I mean, there's lots of layers, but I think the respect that we, the behavior we're receiving, especially from our adolescents, you know, in a lot of ways is related to how we're treating ourselves, how they treat us. There's some dots to connect there. Right mm-hmm. inside of that, and and you said firmness. So I love you know remembering the last episode we talked about the criteria for positive discipline. And there's that first bit, right? It's kind and firm at the same time. And that's when we think about mutual respect. Kindness shows up in how we are treating the person in front of us, and firmness shows up in how we're treating ourselves.
1: Yeah, and I love the idea that respect you can't make anybody respect you. Yeah, it's a feeling. Yep. It's a feeling. So, you know, when we want to have mutual respect, you can't make somebody be mutually respectful. I mean, by default, you, it really is in this way that we show up. It is in the connection and that sense of this is what I, these are my boundaries. These are my limits. And to be able to model that for your kids of, and I would say, I mean, you talk about verbal abuse as teenagers. I mean, I hear this a lot with parents with toddlers and preschoolers who are hitting them Mm and, I mean, physical abuse, pulling their hair, slapping them in
0: the face, and they're just taking it. Yeah. You know, because they don't don't know what to do. It's because they don't know what to do. Right. It's because it's because they don't know what to do.
1: And because it's so intense in that moment Mm -hmm. and surprising, they're also in their fight or flight response. They are also in that part of their brain that just freezes and can't be grounded and solid and you know, remember to like what the rules are, which is we're well, not what the rules are, but can't remember, you know, what do I do in this moment, which is why I am so passionate about taking time for training, role playing, and then practice, 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 mm-hmm. and having those routines almost like a fire drill with what to do because every toddler is going to have a tantrum. Every yeah. preschooler is going to at some point erupt and hit you or kick or scream in your face or say, I hate you similar to adolescence. Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. Tantris. So
1: having a plan, tantrum right. Having a plan and, and practicing that and just like normalizing it, you know, so that we know what to do. And I think the mutual respect for that is saying ahead of time, these are behaviors that are happening. And here's what I'm going to do when it happens. I mean, that's one of my favorite positive discipline tools is decide what you will do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, I love that tool. And I love that it's connected. Like, again, coming back to something I said at the, at the start, thinking about mutual respect as how I treat the person as well as how I treat myself in the situation. I love letting go of the dependency on the other person. I just, there's something about that that feels so, it feels so freeing, especially mm-hmm. coupled with, like you just said, what's developmentally appropriate? Uh, tantrums are developmentally appropriate, angst in the adolescent years, high emotions in the adolescent years. This is brain science. This is not character flaws, right? And coming back, it feels like every problem is really a self-regulation problem <laughs> like on some wow. level, right? It's always ding, like, ding, ding, yeah, ding. yeah, yeah. Get your shit together, people. Um, and model exactly. that and practice it. Like what you said pra- teaching, role playing, modeling, practice, 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 practice.
1: Yeah. Because then there's no shame. It's like we're practicing this right now. We're practicing how to be in relationship with each other. You know, I mean, even when my kids like last night, what, what, we, oh, we were having tofu stir fry, oh. which as you can imagine, four year olds love, you know? <laughs> and so immediately when she's like, Ugh, like, these aren't the vegetables I like. You know, we can say, Oh, what are we practicing? And she said, Oh, right. Let me, see. and she literally did a little thinking with her little, you know, even put up her fingers, <laughs> like put it to her forehead and goes, Oh, yeah. Um, Mama, thank you so much for making this delicious dinner. I don't like the vegetables yet, you know, but I'll try again next time. Do you mind, and then she said, Do you mind taking them off my plate? And I said, no problem, right? That's mutually respectful.
2: So, did like, you practice? Like, hey, did you
0: give her that language? Play with the language. Oh, practice. Yes. Oh, I love it. The yes. Hell yes. That you got to do that.
1: We do. We practice that straight up. Pull the curtain back. Yeah, yeah. There's no third. You know, like, come on. We say, hey, the mutual respect for me is that I make this. I I spend a lot of time making this, mm-hmm. right? And and it's not like they're not active parts, right? We've got one kid that is in charge of setting the table one that clears my four-year-old is in charge of the salad she makes the salad every night so like they're you know they're not it's not like they just it's arrives like yeah you know royalty and I also am very transparent that the reason why we have a variety of foods and I'm not even like crazy variety I mean this was like tofu store, you know but is because we want to be adventurous eaters so that we can travel the world Mm. that's what you know and I mean or in my in, on my vision board, the, the <laughs> traveling around the world that it is, and in the meantime, we want to be able to go over to our friend's house for dinner, or we want to be able to go to a restaurant and not expect chicken nuggets every single time. So we're practicing for real life, kiddos. So in that way, that relevance right gives them like, oh, that's connection. That makes sense. Cool. Okay. And I let them know they have those superpowers with their taste buds that they're not supposed to like everything on the first try. So we got to keep trying. So for me, the mutual respect is why should I expect this little four-year-old to eat her entire dinner when my life skill for her is to have body autonomy, to have a sense of self, to have an awareness about what she likes and what she doesn't like and, how, you know, I mean, all these things and to be a traveler. So in this way, I want to say like, this is why we do this. And I need to make sure that she's, you know, respected to not be forced to eat this and that she's also going to be nourished in other ways.
0: Okay, so all the parents of teenagers who are listening right now and thinking, God damn it, I missed the boat. Shoot. Like, I think that everything that you just said, Julietta, like in my mind, as I'm having that experience, I'm also thinking to myself, like, how can I tweak what you just said and bring it to life, even though my kids are 16 and 18? Like, there's no. There's no door closed to having conversations around why it would be useful to expand our palates when we think about the potential of traveling the world, right, and and body autonomy. And I know, well, I do know that there's a lot of people in my community with older kids who are, you know, a little bit worried about um, disordered eating and eating disorders. And you, what you're saying, I think kind of, you know, it does as much as it possibly can to nurture an environment that is proactively not that, right? Doesn't mean, right, everyone, there's no, you know, golden ticket guarantee, but we can up the likelihood. We can create a space, an environment that is conducive to optimal life, social, emotional skills. And that's really what I'm hearing you talk about.
1: A thousand percent. And I think the key word here is that control and autonomy where when we talk about the body, you know, issues along, it's how am I going to have control over this? There are certain things that behaviors that kids will do that make sense to them because that's the only way they can control something, you know? So from this early age or from whatever age, and I, and I think we have the privilege to do that. We're not in the depression era, Mm -hmm. you know, my mother did not have that, right? She did have to eat what was on her plate. And then if she didn't, she had it for breakfast. And it was disgusting, mm-hmm. like horrible, you know, because she was raised by depression-era grandparents. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we all do what we can, like you say, with the skills we have. And for me, I can say, great, you don't want to eat it? No problem. It's going to be part of the communal leftovers for other people. It's not going to go to waste. We teach into that as well, you know. And mutually respectful, I'm not a short-order cook. This is dinner. Mm-hmm. So... Each one, and I think this is also respectful, especially for people with multiple kids, to be personal. It doesn't have to be the same. All three of my kids are so different. They have different likes and dislikes. And so each one of them have their plan B, and it's the same thing, but it's whatever. So she said, can I also have some – this wasn't last night. She had enough of the rest of the dinner. But if there is a dinner that she's like, I had my no-thank-you bite, and now I really need something else – she gets her bowl of cereal. She goes, gets her little granola, gets her bowl, gets the almond milk, brings it to the table. I'm not getting back up. Yeah. I serve, dinner is served. Like, so what can you do on your own? And then that's the backup.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Love it. Love but it. But it's
1: the control. And what I wanted to say, Casey, about that, I just realized this was actually what I wanted to say, <laughs> is that when we think about um, the research around intrinsic motivation, and we draw a lot from the self-determination theory, DC and Ryan, it comes down to- And whether it's adolescence or, yeah, or early years that it's autonomy, Mm -hmm. like we talked about, it's the relatedness. And so that's that connection, 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 you know, not just this top down piece. And then it's the competence. Like, do they have the skills? Can they do, can they do this? You know? So that comes back to my take time for training, role play, give them the script, practice it, say it out loud, try again. Oh, that's not quite what we do. Practice again, say it again. You know, slice it thinner. Can they go get their own bulk? Is it something that they actually can do? You know, that's the skill set too that makes them feel like, all right,
0: motivated to do it, motivated to Mm -hmm. do that behavior. Well, and I love the competency piece too, because I think that as our kids become literally bigger than we are, there is this idea that everything should have landed. Like, you know what to do, right? You know the right thing to do. You know, and we forget that it's, they're still in development. They're still in that practice. So while one day looks really like right on, okay, that's finally landed. We're done. You know, and then the next day you realize, oh, I guess we're not done because they're 16 or even 18. Like, Adolescence is well into the 20s, right? There's, we're still developing, we're still learning. Doesn't mean that we throw expectations out the door, but it does mean that we get to be in this curious mindset around okay, you're showing me that there's still some skill development that could be fostered, and I'm going to let's slice it thinner. Let's take a look at what you need and what's going to be helpful and what's going to be a solution. So, If you're listening, don't think that all this brilliance coming out of Julietta's mouth is just for the young kids and parents of young kids. It absolutely translates to adolescent parenting.
1: Well, and I think that's being respectful is understanding development. Yeah. Understanding where they're at. I mean, how are are we supposed to expect our kids to be perfect every single day? Yeah. When my bed is not made right now, currently. You know, I did not floss last (laughs) night. Like, I mean... (laughs) You know what I yeah. mean? Like all of these things that we expect our kids to be these little robots. And really, I think that respectful means understanding their de- development. It doesn't mean letting them get away with it, quote unquote, or, um, or that it's not difficult or hard. I mean, even yesterday when Le- I found Leona had dra- drawn on the balance beam, with this little floor beam and I'm like, shouldn't she have known that since she was two, you know, that's such a two-year-old thing to do. And I wanted to like, scream at her and call her baby and take away things.
0: But in my mind,
1: I'm like, guess what? She's still learning. We're all still learning.
3: Yeah. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Hey
2: there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: Okay, so in the moment tools for mutual respect, I heard you say, decide what you will do, right? Decide what you will do as a tool. Meaning, Mm -hmm. again, not dependent on the other person, just being really clear around our own boundaries. This is Mm -hmm. what I will do. What's another in the moment tool that is... I mean, all, you know, that's the beauty of positive discipline. All the tools, you know, fit some, inside of relevant. this, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, curiosity and connection mm-hmm. are the two that are just always like, I think mutual respect means that you don't assume yes. what's happening on the other side. Yeah. You know, and so I think that curiosity of like, how is this for you? And the res- the mutual respect is like, because that emotional honesty of this is what's happening for me. And I'd love to hear it from your
0: perspective too. Mm, Yeah, love that. And, you know, as I listen to us talk and engage in this conversation, I can also hear my clients and my listeners who've often, and you've, I'm sure, heard this too in your classes, like, well, yeah, it all sounds good, but then Mm -hmm. I'm in a situation and my lid is flipped, I'm dysregulated, so I think that you know every week when we talk we're going to talk about in the moment tools and mindfulness tools because I feel like that mindfulness piece and listeners if you're like oh god mindfulness again call it whatever you want basically it's getting learning how to get keep your shit together like if that's what you want to call it call it that it's also known as mindfulness so
1: yeah and I will add I mean just we could the mindfulness piece for me, it's not kumbaya. As much as I love that I grew up in Berkeley, school counselor, love to talk about feelings. Um, I could just, if I could just live at a yoga retreat for the rest of my life, I would. you know. And the psychologist in me, really, to me, it's so exciting, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, the neuroscience behind it, the research behind it, I've done t- lots of training, lots of reading around it is so cool that it's almost like these Jedi mind trick. It's like we're in the future, you know, like think of mindfulness as this evolution bionic, yeah. you know, I mean, it's like all, you know, it's that part too. It's not so in the past. Like I think of it as very innovative, like, you know, get on mm-hmm. it sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're not there, like get on board, yeah. you know, cause the future is there. The future basically. is now people. The future is now, the future is mindfulness. So I think, yeah, in the moment, like you're saying, you know, when they're like, well, my lid has or it's like, I'm thinking about this moment when I'm trying to get dinner. It's always a spicy time, right? Is the like after school dinner time after work and trying to deal with like three different carpools and I mean, it just, and partnerships and yep. groceries or whatever, you know, all of those things, executive functioning wise that were easily triggered. And when a little one comes in and is just like, "Will you come play with me or will you, you know, do this or whatever. A lot of times when I can drop into that connection and curiosity, I might just say, okay, what do you notice? What do you see? What am I doing? You know? And they'll say, and this is even not just my little, it's like my fourth grader, you know, that's just like interrupts and or whatever is expecting. And what do you notice when they can just pause in that moment and say like, oh, you're cooking dinner. Oh, you got a lot going on here. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. That's what I'm doing. And that part of mindfulness is awareness. Mm -hmm. It's awareness Mm -hmm. without judgment. And so I think that in the moment tool Of just being aware, the fact that you can be aware that my lid is starting to flip, that you can be aware that I'm super stressed out, and oh, I thought I was going to do the rice, and shit, now it's going to take 45 minutes. Now I got to do you know something else, or where you know the soccer cleats aren't on yet. You just being aware is huge. That's it. That's all we have to do. That awareness part of things are going about to go sideways right now. You know, and at that moment, that awareness creates that space. For you to choose a different response. Mm-hmm. And that choice might be to shut your mouth.
0: Often it is. <laughs>
1: <You> <laughs> often
0: that's the best <laughs> choice. Don't
1: talk shut right now. Shut your mouth. Don't <laughs> talk. Shut your mouth and breathe through your nose yeah. for a moment. Yeah. And then step back. And I I'm sure it's like this with teens as well, but to notice like, what does this this is a mantra that I have often? That is, what does this moment need right now? Mm. You know, for everyone, for me, for for the child, for the for dinner, like or you know whatever, like what does the moment? Re- and that comes back to our real moments, our learning moments, you know, that we say it's spreadable because this is life. This is it. Yeah, like we're in the it. moment. Yeah, we're. <laughs> in it. So what does this moment mean? It might need. It might need a, a teachable moment for awareness. It might need me to just realize like this is not a big deal right now. Big reaction, small problem. Yeah. You know. It might need like to come up with a different solution, like not be so rigid for myself, you know? Oh man, that's a big
0: one. That's a big one. I want all you listeners with adolescents noticing your rigidity. And what I want to, like what you, another way I would put that, that a friend of mine shared with me, like the difference, and if everybody that's listening, and Juliette, if you wanna make a fist, so the difference between being inside of the challenge, being inside of the moment, versus now open your hand, looking at the moment. Like you talking about awareness is that step away from being consumed, right? Where we don't have a lot of options because we're in react mode versus, okay, let me, take a, let me get a little bit of space, to look at, you know, that I think is so powerful. That's so powerful. So and
1: the anchoring with positive discipline to that for me is being solution focused mm-hmm. without blame. So in that moment when you recognize there is a problem here or there is a tension, you know, the the awareness of to be able to look for a different solution another way is always available to you. Yeah. You know, when you can If you're willing. uh, Yeah. If you're
0: willing, if you're willing. willing. So wrapping up, I have this question that I was thinking we could play with at the end of each of these episodes. I'm excited. This is going to be okay. I'm
2: scared. Don't be scared.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tell me No. What does becoming sproutable mean to you today in the context of mutual respect?
1: Oh, I love this so much. Um, to me in this context, I think about capable. So we play with, when we created the name Sproutable, it's that, that able part too, you know, as we're growing kids of all that they are capable to, to do and to be and to learn and to develop. And so I think becoming Sproutable within mutual respect is really that trust that our kids are capable, like they're capable of handling the firmness that we talked about for the needs of the situation. And that it it allows them, I don't wanna say enable, because I know when we say enable, it means kind of doing them Mm. for them, but it, it gives them that ability to also grow and see what it looks like to stand up for yourself.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah, when I think about becoming sproutable in the context of mutual respect, you know, I really think about um, that conversation of willingness, right? A willingness, because it feels from the adolescent, parent of adolescent space, it feels everything feels very urgent and it feels everything feels really risky. And to be able, to be willing to create space, to be willing to set a boundary, to be willing to take care of ourselves and walk away from hot conversations, to have a plan, even to be vulnerable enough to say, hey, can we practice something, right? Because some of us, I know it's like, oh my God, my 16 year old would never practice, blah, 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 right? So being vulnerable enough to make the ask and willing um, to be vulnerable, that's what's that's what's coming up for me today around becoming okay. sproutable.
1: I love that, Casey. Yeah, and I, I just want to add, I mean, I think that the piece of becoming sproutable mm-hmm. means seeing our kids like really getting into their world, you know, that respect piece of saying, I see you, I validate you, like I really um like And knowing that
0: it's part of that growth, that we are contributing to that growth. Love it. Listeners, thank you so much for being here with us. The Becoming Sproutable Limited podcast will come out every Thursday for the next five weeks. And we so hope you will join us. We're both thrilled to have merged our companies, Joyful Courage and Sproutable together into one space that serves everyone on the parenting journey and excited for you to check out our brand new website and offers. Go to besproutable.com to find out about coaching, on-demand programs, memberships, things for nannies, preschool teachers, parents of young kids, parents of teens, all the things at the bottom of every page on the website is a place to sign up for our newsletter where we will share tips and events and all the goings on with the community. Thanks, Jules, for hanging out with me. Thank you, Casey. See you next week.